It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hey, everybody. Good morning everybody thanks so much for joining me this is harriet Kamak with down to earth and if my voice sounds a little uh slow this morning forgive me it's been that kind of a morning uh we have some challenges uh that mostly have to do with the fact that i was i've been using my voice and i think i haven't done the greatest job of taking care off my voice this past week. I think I'm fighting some sniffles or something. It's been several weeks since before Christmas, I think, when it started. And I didn't pay attention. I just thought it was seasonal, it would go away. You know how that works. And then you get so caught up and you're so busy. You know, you don't do what you're supposed to do. And then by the time I started paying attention to it, with all the stuff flying around in the air, who knows what can happen. So how are you all doing? It's Tuesday, the 14th day of the new decade. The new decade began on January 1st, midnight, January 1st, 2020. And so here we are, 14 days later. And we have seen wars and rumors of war. <laughs> I mean, the year pretty much started off kind of foretelling <laughs> what's going to happen for the decade, I, I, I believe. But it's interesting that here we are, and, and we've been focusing a lot on what's going on in Mississippi for some time now. In fact, we did a story on uh, Mississippi prisons just last week and how there are 20,000 people in Mississippi prisons, and one of them, Parchman in particular, uh, uh, is a prison that was developed right after slavery ended, just evolved right out of the Jim Crow laws that operated in the South at the beginning of the 20th century. And to see that a hundred years later, they're still trying to enforce, they're not calling it Jim Crow, but they're still trying to enforce a brand of racism and are successful at it because it's happening right under our noses and we seem to be asleep at the switch, right? So we're going to talk about that today. But first, uh, and give credit where credit is due to the Marshall Project. Uh, they did an awesome story on debtors prisons in Mississippi. So I just want to give a shout out to them because they did the investigative work and the investigative journalism. And you've got to give credit. And thank God that we live in a country where there is freedom where there is freedom of speech, where people can go and investigate these stories and we can find out so it can arouse the public's interest and create awareness in the public so that the public can now hold politicians accountable. So we have to give thanks for incredibly incredibly great investigative journalists who pursue a story 
see the injustice and recognize that the pen is mightier than the sword and that what the pen does will last and will create lasting change. Now, I'm not saying that the sword doesn't do something, but that tends to just happen in the moment. But what the pen does is it creates lasting change that lasts more than a lifetime. And that's what we hope to see come out of this. But how many of you are, 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 are kind of watching the royal debacle unfold? Yeah? And we see where the queen has agreed with Harry and Meghan that they can live independently and pursue that. You know that's not coming easy. You know there's a cost somewhere down the road. Right? There's, there, there's going to be a cost. There are going to be impositions that maybe you have to attend a few royal functions. But essentially, Harry and Meghan got what they wanted. They wanted to live away from the bullying of the British press. The British press literally bullied that young woman. And she is, she doesn't have to live with it. Here's the thing. America is a kingdom. Yeah? When you are born in a kingdom, you know what kingdom living is. And in this kingdom called the United States of America, you don't have to have inherited wealth to be important. If you make your own money, whether you sing, dance, act, play with a ball, develop something, create something, right? It doesn't matter. But it gives you, in this kingdom, it gives you the right to determine your path. And so you don't have to have hundreds of years of one people dominating and ruling. You just need to start nominating or ruling yourself. The problem with Megan is that she was born in a kingdom. And the American kingdom is, you know what we do here. We're like, and? So you want to tell me how important your kingdom is? We're like, seriously? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Let me go my way. <laughs> That's America. So she says, I don't have to live with your bullying. I'm put up with the bullying of the British press and other members of the royal family who might not have been as popular as she is. Let's just be real. She was incredibly popular because she looks like the face of the British Commonwealth. See, what ha- this is how dangerous it is when you live in a bubble. The royal family and the people around them, they live in a bubble. In their little bubble, they're all white and right white supremacists in thinking. Yeah, and elitist and thinking that they have their, their, their rights because they're white and they're this and stupidity. You rule over a commonwealth where most of the people are brown. So Harry marrying Meghan should have been a win-win for you, right? It should have been a win-win. Instead, she faced incredible opposition based simply on color. People, it's time to get rid of the get over this stuff. The British monarchy and the British Empire made their money on the backs of black people and brown people. Let's just be clear about that. So if some thousands of years later, one of them married a brown person, y'all should be celebrating. You should not. The British press is out of line. Those are people who want to be elite, but were not born into it. And so other members of the royal family who perhaps felt judged that this brown-skinned girl from America, who was already established, she was worth $5 million by herself when she married Harry. So she didn't marry Harry looking for a title to validate her or make her important. She was already, she's a, she's a princess. She's an American princess because 
she lives in her kingdom and she has the money and the wealth already and the calling card. She can call up Disney and say, I want a deal and they're going to listen. Right? So what does she need all of that bullying and racism for? Who needs that stuff? No, you have options when you have money and wealth. Hmm? You don't need that. You don't need that. Right? You have options. So she's demonstrating that she has options. Now, they're going to say to save face, well, you know, we're going to ask them to do this and that. And she's still going to dictate on her own terms what those are going to be. Because essentially, she doesn't want to have anything to do with that. If she doesn't need it. And she doesn't have to put up with the bullying for that. You see what I mean? So there goes that. So for all the people, I was watching the talk yesterday, a talk show that I barely ever, I don't know, my TV was must have been on. And I can't, what's the name of one of the hosts? Gosh, she's from Britain. And she had the nerve to say, well, when you marry into the royal family, you have a sense of duty. You know why she's saying that? Because she never married into the royal family. Because nobody from the royal family ever looked in her direction. And she would love to have been Meghan Markle to be sitting in that seat. This, that's not how it works. People, it's a different time. This is the thing with some of us. We are so stuck in the old ways of doing things we can't even move. Like, I'm going to give you the names of some judges down in Mississippi who are still stuck in Jim Crow. They don't even realize that it's 2020 and they're sending people to debtors' prison. How about that? Yeah? How about that? So we, I read a story on that the Marshall Project wrote, uh, and it concerns debtors' prisons in Mississippi. First of all, I didn't even know such a thing existed. I know that there are some states where they still. Uh, let me put, let me back up. Let me put this in the context. Um, there is still a law somewhere out there that says that for a black person, uh, they can be locked up if they're doing something wrong, right? Um, and. It, it, for in the early 2000s, from 2010 onwards, when we started seeing an increase in, in, in police policing and the negativity surrounding Trayvon Martin and so on, we initially attributed it to the fact that this law existed, so some police officers were taking advantage of that. But there is a law that allows people to be imprisoned if you owe your debtor and you can't pay them back. Mississippi has such a law and enforces it. And what they did was they think they're smart. Instead of, they don't want to sound so racist and sound like they're still practicing Jim Crow. So they create what is called restitution centers. Restitution centers that are separate from the prison structure. So there's a prison building, but there is a restitution center that looks just like a prison. Because you and I can't just walk up in there. The people who are in there can't just walk up in there. They can't take an Uber. They can't get in their car and drive. They have to comply with what the center says. It's still a form of prison. That's how intrinsic Jim Crow laws are. They are inherently biased against people of color. In fact, those laws are designed against black people, period. So I'm going to tell you what the Marshall Project found, and I posted the link to the story on my Twitter feed. So I'm going to put it up on Facebook so that you all can read it. 
eyeball it and see that people are not making this stuff up. We're not making stories up. Here at Down to Earth, we don't make stories up. We follow the credible online reporting magazines and news media that provide credible reporting. So it's not something that somebody just wrote and it is unproven. So I can stand behind what they say because they did the investigative reporting. If they say that this man who is a judge is one of the people who locks up people in debtors' prisons, that means he does because they went to interview him. Some of them declined to be interviewed because obviously they don't want their names and legacies attached. But you are doing it anyhow. It's just like me and you. I may not want to go publicly and say something, but if I'm doing it, I'm doing it anyhow, regardless of whether you see me doing it or not. The fact is that you're still doing it. And because they're still doing it, Jim Crow laws are alive and well in Mississippi. It's alive and well in Mississippi because there are more than almost 30,000 people locked up in prisons in Mississippi. And Mississippi is the poorest state in the nation. The poorest state in the nation. You something else I learned about Mississippi? Mississippi has the highest number of black people, people of African descent in the nation. But they are the poorest in the nation. And I used to wonder why. Then when I looked at the history of Mississippi, Mississippi so I was like, then why don't they just get in a car or take a Greyhound bus and drive across the border, go to another state and start life over? But how are you going to get the money to do that when you have stringent Jim Crow laws that are still operate? They took the name Jim Crow out of it. But you still have the premise and the spirit of the Jim Crow law operating against people, especially black people. I read the most fantastic story ever. The stories are incredible. The people, I cannot believe that people are sentenced by judges to go to a restitution center to pay back what you owe. So let's say people were sentenced for something like a $3,000 debt. Are you listening to me? A $1,500 debt. So you know how people's cars get repossessed? Well, when it goes to the court, they get a judgment against them. Typically, they suck your credit or they garnish your wages or sold to pay back in Mississippi. Not only do they garnish your wages, but the judge has the power to sentence you to go to a restitution center. Now, here's how the restitution centers operate. People typically spend from upwards of four months to five years. They work for private employers, and you don't call that slavery. Uh, church's chicken, the chicken fry, that the ch- fried chicken joint, right? That was one of them. Meat packing plants, that's another. Okay? I wish I had a list of the employers, private employers, so private businesses. One businessman said, He could not operate his business without folks from the restitution center. That means he couldn't pay people and turn a profit. Typically, people are paid below minimum wage. And so whatever they work, get this. At the restitution center, it's not free, by the way. 
the person who is sentenced has to be responsible for their room and board. So they don't get their paycheck. They get quarters, like 25 cents, after they work for 40 hours a week or however long they work for. They're picked up, they're sent, they're taken to the job in a van with the name of the restitution center on it. They're taken to their jobs. They work, they clock out, but they don't see their paycheck. They don't get every month. The state claims that it provides a report on how much they earn. They never really see. There's never any really accounting. So the state confiscates their money and claims that that's what pays for their room and board and pays off the employer. Invariably, they never pay off the debt because with interest and penalties, it just, it just never gets paid off. So I want to give you the names of the bad boys. These are the judges. You know, these are the bad boys who, they're the man down there. One is Charles Webster, Roger T. Clark, Christopher Schmidt, Dal Williamson. These are the, the, the judges who love to sentence people down in Mississippi to debtor's prison. Their names are in the Marshall Project report. So this is not libel. I'm not scandalizing them. They gave statements. So that means they stand behind what they do. I suspect that many of them are going to resign. And there will be just another person who steps in to take over their work. The problem is not the person occupying the position. The problem is you've got to get rid of the position, period. This is the thing about racism. It's a system. And it is based on economic oppression of people of color. And if you don't turn the system, they will always find a figurehead to put in that position. This is, have you heard of redlining? It's the same premise that redlining operates on. It's the same reason why black kids are graduating from college with degrees and can't find jobs that are meaningful. It's economic oppression. It's the same reason why black people who are the most qualified Did you know that in the United States that black women are the most educated and qualified? They have the most advanced degrees and still can't find work. It is the reason why most black people who are professors are adjunct professors. That means they work like every other semester or every other open year. In the meantime, they have to go run a shift somewhere just to pay their bills. And at the same time, the qualification is the same as their white counterparts. This is what racism is. This is what racism looks like today. So now they can't grab you and go chain you to work on a cotton field. So the cotton field has changed now. The cotton fields are private employers. They have different names. And they lock up people in Mississippi because they don't, they owe a debt. They don't pay you enough to start with. So you never earn enough to be able to live like they pay white people so they can live and take up mortgages and so on. So they never earn, you never earn enough. And then on top of that, they have the nerve to then lock you up to enforce a debt. I'm sorry, my friend, we got to talk about this. This is unfair. This is racism. This is Jim Crow. And this thing needs to be overturned. This, these people need to be brought to the attention of the public so the public knows. This is going on in Mississippi. And so for all of you black intellectuals out there who think you've crossed over and who think that you're working in spaces, this is what you say. I, and I've navigated spaces where only myself and white people are in. You need to get out of those. Get out of your head. 
get out of your feelings for just a minute and focus on the big picture. The reason that you are there is not because of anything else, but you need to be there so you can change the way people think so that others, it will be easier for others to enter in. And if you don't understand that that's your responsibility, you're occupying the wrong space. They might have put you there because they find you malleable. They wouldn't put me there because I'm going to ask for change. I'm going to stand up and say, this is not right. We need to change this. But they put someone else there whom they can manage. They look through the community and they look for people whom they can influence and manage. And we told the line and people go into these positions and told the line and told the line and nothing gets fundamentally changed. There is no reason why in Mississippi, the poorest state in the nation, that there should be debtors prisons a hundred years after Jim Crow, more than almost 200 years since slavery. There should be no reason why that continues to happen. And yet it happens because black people in this state don't, are not empowered. They don't have power. Because they don't have wealth. They don't have money. I've, I've never been to Mississippi. I suspect I'm not going to be welcome there. Because I'm going to talk about this stuff. And I'm probably not going to be popular even with the black power structure there. Because they too are part of the white power structure that is enforcing these things to continue to happen to their own people. I declare that I think their ancestors are rolling over in their graves. Because here we are, we're supposed to do better because we know better. And yet here we are, we continue to allow it to happen. We need to be more awake. We need to be more aware. This kind of thing can't happen. And this is why I say, y'all need to go to, to, you know, everybody's going to get an education. What are you getting educated in? You really want to go learn about the history of Europe? Seriously? And what is that going to do to your lifestyle and to your temperament and to you as a person, as a person of color in your personhood? What fundamentally is that going to do for you? It's not enough to go get a degree in fine arts, a liberal arts degree, a degree in psychology. What exactly is that going to do? If you're going to go, go study and learn something so you can come back and create effective, meaningful change. It's not enough to you walk up into an institution of higher learning and come out with a degree that is just going to make you sit down and earn $19 an hour. It does not make sense. $20 an hour. Seriously. They're paying people, managers at McDonald's that. So what's the difference? You have a four-year degree. What did you do? Go to school, wake up and learn. Do something with what you have. You have the privilege now that your ancestors 100 years ago didn't have. Occupy. And while you occupy, dominate, learn, navigate. Learn how to navigate these things. And stand up. Do something. Because here's the thing. Racism, until the minority becomes the majority, racism is still going to exist. It's going to take a while. But we have to start somewhere. And one of the places to start, we can't allow people of color to be sent to jail because they owe a bill. I read some of the stories. Some of these folks committed low-level felonies, like, you know, drug possession and, and so on. But what got to me was the part where they owed a bill. They owed something. One woman had her car repossessed. So she was working for one of those payday loans that I think are an absolute ripoff, right? 
and, and she 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 fraudulently took some of the money from her employer. Her she was sent to jail when the fraud was uncovered, and for that infraction, she was typically people just go to jail. It, it's so bad that the woman in the story I'm talking about, she actually broke out of the restitution center so that eventually she would be caught and sent back to jail. Her prison sentence was shorter, and she found prison more habitable than life in the restitution center. People, they sent people to do the most menial jobs, like a young man working in a meatpacking plant. His job is to clean it out. They sent people to go do the hardest work, back-breaking work. They scrub and clean like they're slaves, like they're their maids and, 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 and so on, and just scrub and clean. Come on! Shocking! If that were to happen to my mother, oh, no. Oh, no. How are you supposed to feel if you see your parents? If it were my mother? Are you kidding me? It wouldn't go down like that. I promise you it wasn't going to go down like that. And what they do is they use psychology, and they use the threat of being locked up to intimidate people and they show up with force and men in uniforms with guns and show up with force to enforce your compliance. I'm telling you, this stuff has to change. Mississippi, y'all down there running that state. Every senator from Mississippi and persons from the House of, from their Congress and who attend the Congress in Washington Every U.S. congressman and U.S. senator from Mississippi should be ashamed of yourselves. You should not walk around in Washington and show your face to the American people because you send people to jail and you enforce it through Jim Crow laws. That's what they are. It's Jim Crow all over again. Prisons are the new plantations. A lot of what they found, too, was that the prisons look like, you remember, you've heard me talk about Parchman. Parchman is a famous prison in, in, in Mississippi that was started after Jim Crow. And it was a cotton plantation. The idea of it was that they were still going to get these Negroes to work on a cotton plantation. So if, you, if a Negro were sentenced to anything, if a black person were sentenced to anything, whatever, and you know they're going to find ways to sentence someone, they were sent to work on the cotton plantation. So it's like, oh, you want to be free? I'm going to make sure you find a law, find a law that you will break and make sure you go work on this plantation. I think what happens, a lot of folks who come from Mississippi are so traumatized that just getting out is enough. That when they get out, they don't want to come back. They don't want to remember anything about it. They don't want to have anything to do with it because, frankly, who among us would want to? Who among us? Think about it. I wouldn't. Would you? No? The place is a cesspool. When you look at the pictures of these folks, there is no life. There is no hope. You know what that tells me? That suicide is a problem. Alcohol is a problem and drugs are a problem because people are living in total despair. Can you imagine what they see on TV? The life that they see on TV, those lifestyles, mean nothing to them because they're not living it. It cannot be imagined that that kind of lifestyle could exist because it just doesn't. 
Mississippi is shocking. It's a shame and a stain and should be a stain on the American people. It's shameful what happened. It's totally shameful. And what you find in these situations is that you think that only, you know, you might say that it's only these people only come from one party. No, it has nothing to do with parties. <laughs> this has nothing to do with party at all. This is people and a certain group of people thinking that their power is the only power that should exist. That's all it comes down to. And that's what we have to fight. That's what we have to stop. Because if we continue to think like that, as Bob Marley said, if one group of people continue to think like that, they're always going to find ways to make it difficult for another group of people. Hence, the creation of wars. We need to find a way to live together. I understand that in Mississippi, there is contention. And I imagine it must be a contentious way of life. Imagine living with people who for hundreds of years thought that you were inferior because of your color. Because their ancestors went to a whole other continent and brought your ancestors here and now you're all here and you still think you are, it's because of that. I imagine that there are contentions that exist. These are contentious ways to live. But here we are. We've got to find a way around it and a way through it. And it starts by us saying, look, we're wrong on both sides. We're wrong. This should never have happened. But here is what we can do going forward. The fact that they're still enforcing a form of Jim Crow laws is not helping. It's not helping. And I salute projects like the Marshall Project and others who continue to create exposés on what happens in these prison systems. It is incredible, and it is alarming, and it is shocking. And I say it is something that we really, really, really need to look at. As people of color, we really need it. We need to be aware of it, and we need to stop it. We need to speak up and stand up so that others know that these things are happening. Because if not, who else? Think about that. Who else? I could not, I live in Michigan. I could not imagine if something like that were to take place here in Michigan. We already have a high prison population here. The number of incarcerated people here is tremendous because here in Michigan, we don't have the death penalty. Therefore, people stay in jail for a long, long time. Right now, we have an aging population in Michigan. We have a number of issues because some of these folks have been in prison for so long, they're still alive. They're sick. They're aging out. And the system is not designed in such a way that just because of aging or they have a death sentence, for instance, you know, they, they have been diagnosed with a disease that is likely to take them out before their, their time ends, right, or the duration of their uh, prison term ends. So there are, no, there are no provisions to say, well, if the doctor says you only have six months to live, then we're going to send you out. It really doesn't happen. It's, it's now being evaluated on a case-by-case basis, Right. So Michigan has its own issues, but I could not imagine here in Michigan if they were going to lock people up for owing a debt. I I could not imagine that. Maybe that's why I live in Michigan. Maybe that's why God chose Michigan for me. Because my friends, I'm telling you, this is shocking. 
I could not imagine being a black person in Mississippi, in my skin, born in Mississippi, and feeling like I have no hope, no, no way of getting out of it. A friend of mine is from Mississippi. I think Cyrus Webb is from Mississippi. Everybody knows about Cyrus Webb, right? He's had a radio show and a magazine show. He's now syndicated on national radio and so on. It took him years and years. That's a success story that came out of Mississippi. And he keeps saying, if I did it, you can't. And he did it the right way. He didn't sell drugs. He didn't jump over a fence, didn't pick up a gun. And, and there is a space where some people think that poverty is the only way out. Sometimes you have, it takes longer, but you have to pursue the right path. There is a right path. Do the right thing and pursue the right path. My problem is, is not with the people who pick up a gun and go hold somebody up. They need to serve time for that because there was a right path that you could have gone into the same establishment and take the pay at $5 an hour or whatever it is, and it would keep you out of jail. The problem I have is locking up people for low-level felonies and then sentencing them to restitution centers. So you literally are saying, okay, well, you come before me. I'm making money off the restitution center. You think these judges are doing it just because? There's got to be some kind of incentive. There's got to be something to it, yeah? Because I don't want to believe that we are so evil that we would literally sentence somebody who has no capacity to help themselves, that you're going to sentence them to a restitution center where they work like a slave just because they can't do better. I don't want to think that. I want to think that we're better than that, that we as a society have evolved and think better. It's crazy, isn't it? Absolutely and totally crazy. I don't know about you, but something. This cannot, these kinds of things cannot continue to happen. Right? These kinds of things cannot continue to happen. The fact that we continue. Just think about it. Just last week we talked about it. And this is the state that brought us parchment. This is the state that brought us parchment. We're right after Jim Crow. It makes me wonder, did a different kind of white people went to Mississippi? Did a different, did, you because know, we, we've been making this distinction for more than 100 years now, talking about white people in the North and who are, we, you know, they like to call them liberals. So did a different group of white people go to the South? Evil, present, where they're just downright, because how could you? How could you, I don't know, hatred must not exist in me. Because how could you hate someone so much whom you've never met, but you hate them because of the color of their skin? I still don't get that. I still don't get that. Even now, while I am posing the question, what is wrong with white people who live in Mississippi like these judges mentioned in the Marshall Project's investigative story? What is wrong with these judges? I still want to meet them and say, what happened here? What makes you think like that? I still want to know. I, I still am operating off the belief that something else is going on, but I don't believe that you're inherently a bad person just because of the color of your skin. 
And yet, this is the premise, one of the the, 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 the cornerstones and the pillars of racism is to inherently immediately believe that a person of color, a black person, is a bad person. That's a perception that continues to be perpetuated to, through media. Mm. Now, I'm not expecting that a lot of folks there are not a lot of people, especially black people, who are going to respond to this because inherently we feel bad and we feel ashamed. But you shouldn't feel ashamed because this is not, you didn't cause this on yourself. There's nothing to be ashamed about. What this is, is a call to action that something needs to be done as we create awareness about it. But this is not showing you in the worst light. This has nothing to do with you. This is a collective system of laws that are imposed that would catch any of us. If I lived in Mississippi, it looks like it would have caught me too. By the grace of God, I don't. I don't think I have any relatives in Mississippi. I'm pretty sure I don't. That's not a state that is progressive enough. And by progressive, I mean that's not a state that is welcoming. Those kinds of laws have a carrying atmosphere, an atmosphere of fear and hatred that is so thick you can feel it. It doesn't carry an atmosphere of liberty and the pursuit of liberty and the pursuit of justice. It carries an atmosphere of pure natural born hatred just because you exist. It's almost as if these laws are, well, we're going to round them all up, put them in reservation and what they call restitution centers. And inherently stomp them out of the face of the earth. You got another thing coming, dude, because it doesn't work like that. There's a whole new generation coming. All I do, what I do is bring awareness to it, but there's a whole other generation coming. They might not talk about it. They might be the ones who are going to use the pen of a ready writer. It's called a vote. They're the ones who are going to do something about it. See, this is why when I talk about institutional racism. I talk about it that it's an institution, it's a system that operates. And what it does is it operates in impunity. Right? And so it's and because it's an institution, it's endemic. It's insidious. And it is hidden. You don't see it. Because there's nobody who's going to come forward and say, oh hey, I'm a racist. <laughs> It just doesn't work that way, right? But it still exists. So when people say, well, if you get this one out, no, it's not the person. The person is a a figurehead. They're literally occupying the space and perpetuating the law. So getting them up, you have to change the position that they operate in. You have to get rid of the system that creates the mentality for this kind of ideology to to, you know, perforate. It's pervasive. And it's captive. And it holds people captive. There is a system in Mississippi that holds people captive. I wish more people would hear what I'm saying. I, I don't think I don't think anybody is listening. It's like nobody is listening. These are the issues that we need to pay attention to because if you're not careful, one day a person might be elected in your county, in your state, who passes a resolution like this 
And before you know it, it becomes a law that operates in your state. That's the problem. This is why you need to be aware. It's not just, oh, well, it's happening in Mississippi. That's something that happens down south. Unfortunately, people get caught up in it. Sucks to be them. No. It's because such a thing could happen right where you are if you're not careful. So you have to be aware. You have to really open your ears and open your minds and listen. Folks, I'm going to tell you one more time before you go to bed at night, turn the TV off. You're inundated with news all day. It comes through on your phone because you have news alerts on your phone. You're driving down the street. You hear it. That's enough. You come home and you watch the 6 o'clock news, the 6.30 news, the 5 o'clock news, the 7.30 news, or 7 o'clock news. That's enough. Shut the TV down. Shut the TV off. Go in your bedrooms. Talk to your families, right? Sit down. Have conversations with the people whom you live with, the people whom you love. Create a relationship so you have unity in your own household. That's going to save you later, right? Because then you will keep your money together. How many of you know that that's real? Say real, right? It keeps the family together, keeps the love and the unity together. And it also opens your mind so when you go to lay down, you can think clearly. When you wake up in the mornings, your mind is clear. When you go to bed with images from the TV still on your mind, that's all you dream about. You're tormented all night. You're not sleeping. Shut the screens off, y'all. You notice we're all getting eye problems now because the screens that we stare at, sometimes even looking at these screens, the glare, I think I'm going to have to get stuff to put over them, the glare from the cameras, right, the glare of it, it's affecting our eyes. Well, it's also affecting, I stare at screens so much, I'm getting headaches, right? And I've noticed that, that it says ramped up, right? It's the glare, right? You, we are going to have, just like that glare affects our eyes, the noise from all the stuff is affecting our brains at night when you should be rested so you can hear. Because these are the issues. It's not enough for me that it's only happening in Mississippi and I you know, flip over and go to the next story. It's that something like this could happen right where I live because there might just be a politician. There might just be a, pros- a, a prospective politician who has a similar idea like this, who can, you know, influence his other politicians, then he goes and get private employers to back him up. That's what's happening in Mississippi. Private employers, so big-name corporations, are taking advantage of black people who have no voice, who cannot help themselves, who get caught up in a system where they end up in something called debtor's prison, something we thought happened in the 19th century and early 20th century. That's what's going on, my friends. That's what's going on. They get private employers. We need to know who those private employers are and sanction them. Don't go there and ask them. Don't support them. Since we spend our money where we choose, do not support people who employ prison laborers. Do not support organizations who, because what they have done is created another group of slaves. It's still slavery. What is happening in Mississippi is modern-day slavery. And if they tell you, well, we don't give them longer than five years, it's five years of free labor. When those people emerge, just like slavery, they're just as traumatized, they're just as mentally damaged, 
and are likely to go back into it because now they have a record and can't get a decent job, can't rent an apartment. They're subjected to more poverty. They're going to end up homeless or end up doing stuff that they end up in prison. And you think this is happenstance. You need to think again. It's modern-day slavery. Anywhere you see economic problems and economic policies that make people uh, separated from earning a living, that's sustainable living, that they can live, it's slavery. It's just slavery under a different name, with a different face, same color, black and white, same premise, to oppress people who are descendants of Africans so that they never prosper and we keep them enslaved for the rest of time. It's still modern day slavery. And it's happening, if you think it's just you need to hear, you need to travel the world. All those immigrants who came up from Africa who were escaping wars in Africa caused by generations of colonialism and trying to get to Europe. When they get to Europe without documentation and without the skills that are required to function in those societies, what do you think happens to them? They become what? Modern-day slaves. And they're desperate enough to escape the wars and the diseases that are caused from lack of investment in infrastructure that creates a climate and creates an environment where all the war is going to proliferate. What do you think is going to happen? You, oh, so you also think that that happens by happenstance. None of these things are remote. None of these things operate without the existence of the other. These are the facts. These are the facts. My friends, what's going on in Mississippi is likely to happen in your area if you don't wake up. Listen to what the people who are seeking your vote say. Go visit them. Talk to them. Hear what they have to say. Don't just say, I like how he looks. You know, he's tall, good looking, and he sounds on it. You don't know who is backing him. Anybody who is backed by corporations, you need to be very careful. They're going to pass laws that don't benefit you. You need to find out what on earth they believe. And you need to act accordingly. Because what happens in Mississippi doesn't stay in Mississippi. It can happen anywhere else. This is down to earth. And this is Harriet Kamek with Down to Earth. We're just having a down-to-earth conversation about debtors' prisons in Mississippi based on an article I read on the Marshall Project. If you want to know more information, don't go follow the Marshall Project and see what they do. But as far as I can see, this is real, and this can happen anywhere. This is Harriet Kamek with Down to Earth. It's Tuesday, January 14, 2020. Remember when you're writing the dates out this year, don't just write 1 14, 20. Right, 1-14-2020, right? (laughs) Go to my website, HarrietKamek.com, and continue to support us by sharing this broadcast with others and share this broadcast with other folks who are listening. Everyone needs to be aware of this. Thanks so much, everybody. This is Harriet Kamek. Be blessed. (laughs) Thanks so much, everybody. With 
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.